Hello, welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and the opinions are expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any Grand Lodge statements or positions. Make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level to interact with us. We love seeing you live every Thursday night, so you can chat with us on Facebook or on YouTube. Love interacting with you live during the chats, and also your chats may even make it on the air. As always, if you can't catch us live, love having you uh, listen to us later in your favorite podcast app or on the YouTube replays. So, you know me. My name is John Rework. I'm a past master of the Patreon Lodge number 1957 in Fairfax, Virginia. And next up, who couldn't wait to get started, is Jason Richards. Good evening, Jason. Good evening. Jason Richards here, past master of Acacia Lodge number 16 in Clifton, Virginia, a member of a couple other lodges as well. Rush Chairman, darn glad to meet you. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Joe sends his regrets, but he'll, uh, Robert might join us later, but that's okay because Joe is on the side of the road right now patching a tire. Yes, if any brother can help him right now, that would be great. So yes. just, just go take care of that. Um, but more importantly, we have our special guest tonight that is the right worshipful Michael Jarzabak, who is up there in Massachusetts and is currently the sitting chairman of the education committee. So welcome and a good evening, Brother Jarzabak. Thank you. Good evening. Super awesome to have you here. And uh, we'll find out why we're bringing his big brain in to the, tonight's show in just a little bit. So before we do that, let's get into another little shout out for the patrons who support the show. You guys rock. Uh, you guys keep the show going for many, many years to come. So we thank you very much for that. And if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash the Masonic Roundtable, and we can make funny jokes about Jason in the Facebook group, the private Facebook group. So we'll see you over there. Actually, we'll call out Joe tonight because he's he had a flat tire as a reason to get out of this. A Trekkie decides to get out of a Star Wars episode. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, super cool. Well, it's great to have everyone here. And... As usual, what we tend to do is get right into the tarot card of the week. And I decided to uh, pull from a deck of mine that I've I recently acquired that I'm pretty excited about, which is a Star Wars-themed Sabacc tarot deck. That's right. This is a custom deck that was created uh, by a person on Twitter to, oh, look who we have here. Robert, before we get into that. Hello and good evening. Hello and good evening indeed. That's Great to all. Have you here. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry I'm late. All right, we're gonna we're gonna pull from the Sabak themed um, tarot deck, and so let me uh, make that full screen. And I'm just shuffling along. We got a, a variety of different suits here. I'm just gonna pull from the Major Arcana, and what we have here is for tonight. Major Arcana only. What a cop yeah. out. I know, I know. We have the spire. <laughs> yes, we have we have no. the spire. Yes, <laughs> of course it would be that. Um, also, so, the card we drew in our tarot episode when we did our first ever tarot spread on the air. It's great. This is uh, everybody. We'll just take it for the positive spin that, it, that everybody loves the tower. So this is the Star Wars version of Big. the tower, the spire. Big revelations are going to happen for people in this episode. Jarzebek is going to blow everybody's mind. That's what's going to happen. It's just going to knock all the dominoes over. That's right. Calamitous change. Like we're going to get a power outage. And Strap go yourself in. Yeah. Jarzebek's coming through. <laughs> You're ready for the ride. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's super cool. So that is tonight's tarot card. Star Wars themed, of course, because today is, you guessed it, May the 4th. So as a huge Star Wars nerd myself, I wanted to um, bring on Michael Jarzabak, who's done an excellent conversation, uh, a presentation even, on Star Wars and Freemasonry, which you literally just gave but minutes ago. Is that correct? It is correct. I, um, I'm actually live from Montgomery Lodge in Milford, Massachusetts, which is the home of Rob Jackson, some of you might know. Hey. Uh, home Lodge of Rob Jackson, who's here as well in the other room. And they're actually watching, I think, live streaming the other room 
in their uh, Woo! lounge. So, all right. Good evening, brothers from uh, Montgomery Lodge. Super awesome. Montgomery to, Lodge uh, number four twenty, right? Yes, number four twenty. Yes, there were four hundred and nineteen lodges before them. So, let's get right into tonight's episode. This is uh, again a conversation Mike and I have had many times over over Messenger, just trying to like compare notes and and change exchange ideas on the parallels between the the great mythology modern mythology that is star wars and this ancient fraternity of ours and so uh before we get into nerding out on all the variety of different things uh just want to start with you mike what what inspired you to put together this presentation of yours um that's become so well received so you know it, it kind of started it started probably what was that 2017 2018 rob i think so about that time frame <laughs> and i originally wanted to write a paper i was I, I was enthralled by the fact of all the orphans in pop culture so i had this idea where i was going to do like batman spider-man mm -hmm. harry potter iron man like all these different ones and when i sat down to actually write the presentation or the or the paper i just got stuck on luke skywalker and star wars and i and i said well i'll just i'll just kind of even this out and brian introduced me to rj and rj and greg uh kaminsky and i did mm -hmm. a panel discussion at masonicon that year that's right and it's kind of all gone from there and and i think from that point the presentation i gave tonight is probably the fourth iteration of it i just keep on refining it i actually added a slide last night so it just kind of just keeps on getting you know, different and more refined. That's the way to do presentations. Right. Exactly. Never give them the same way twice. Yeah. yeah. It, it's always awesome. Right. The audience comes back. I, you know, this has happened a few times where I've, I've heard guys, um, whether it's uh, Jason's Noah Kite presentation or uh, John's presentation on the circumpunct or whatever, we always, you guys are always adding and people are like, oh man, it was so cool. I saw it before, but you had this new stuff and it really connected with me and it's no different with, with your Star Wars presentation. Uh, so it's been awesome. And I think we were in California, right? Like at, at Masonicon in, in uh, South Pasadena and I was whining to you in the hotel room being like, I don't want to be the Star Wars guy. <laughs> right. and here you are and here you are <laughs> just embrace it leonard nimoy okay anymore yeah but, but I, I come back to it and it's you're totally it's, alan rickman and galaxy quest like, yeah oh, it's, it's not so much this These idea fans that, i tell you it's not so much that you're the star wars guy it's just that you're one of the um, most popular Masons that people know of in the United States who have connected these topics and have spoken about them intelligently time and time again, and also have been uh, part of different, you know, article sources and magazines and things that have had you guest edit and things on, on topics like this. And in, in, in general, like that larger theme of uh, the hero's journey, which you do a presentation on also. So. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a good segue, right? Because first parallel between uh, Star Wars and Freemasonry is the monomyth, is uh, the hero with a thousand faces. That is the the hero's journey, and there are interviews with George Lucas, who has flat out admitted he he stole that storytelling structure uh, to tell the story of at least a new hope in 1977. Mm -hmm. And so um, the reason that resonates to Freemasons is that we too follow that structure when we go through our degree system. Right. And, and that is by design because um, it is a powerful way to impart you know, a moral lesson. And so um, from a, from crafting a cogent story that that's uh, one parallel right there that, that uh, brings these two universes together. Anything else you want to add to that, Mike? I mean, I think he admittedly did it, right? Like, they were friends later. Uh, he ripped them off before they were friends. But um, <laughs> Lucas definitely admitted that that was a huge, that the Hero of a Thousand Faces was a huge influence on him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the thing that's impressed me about Star Wars is that Lucas recognized at that time period that there was no 
mythology for people to embrace that the kids that were growing up had a life that was going to be largely devoid from a mythos that they could connect to. And he felt that it was important enough that he needed to create one. And he did that by stealing from every corner of the globe to do so. So like masonry. Yeah. Yeah. The syncretic system that we have here today, right? Also steals from many locations. Yeah. They're both. That's what we have in common. I mean, it makes a ton of sense because you look at the Star Wars movies and they're they're inherently initiatic in, in ways. So you you follow that hero's journey, and of course, that's that's an initiation in and of itself. And so that that itself is a, is a great tie-in between Star Wars and and Freemasonry. Absolutely. You know, and I think that this. The interesting thing is that when Disney took it over, which I know some people are fans of and some people aren't, the interesting thing is they did something like Masonry is that they personalized it where it's not one person's story anymore. Right. You know, they tell it from multiple perspectives, from multiple cultural perspectives and, and um, you know, moorings. And I think that's one of the things that's interesting is you can, everybody can see themselves in Star Wars, you know, including like one of their biggest... One of the one of the big things I like about Star Wars is the fact that you have Leia there, right? Like her first line, her one of her first lines in the movie is like, "Aren't you too little, small to be a stormtrooper or something?" I'm screwing it up, but so you know, aren't you short? Aren't you too short to be a stormtrooper? Stormtrooper, and she's one of the original strong female character lead, like lead right. characters that doesn't need a man to save her. Mm-hmm. Um, the other two being Sigourney Weaver and Foxy Brown of that in that time period. That's true. They, they really translated. Like we look back at it and we don't realize it, but they were, they were, they were pretty amazing characters at that time period. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've jotted down like a, a laundry list of different parallels between them. Um, but, but Mike, if there's anything that you want to start with or any ideas that you had, cause this is going to be a conversation uh, rather than a presentation. So, uh, what what else comes to mind when you compare and contrast the two? So the biggest thing for me that compares the two of them is, and and the central theme of my talk lately has been that the use of allegory and of allegorical characters to illustrate the four cardinal virtues. Say more. So the the approach that I take in the talk is that I select four characters that I feel represent each of the four cardinal virtues. And through that, I hope that people can, I challenge people that even if they are Star Trek fans, like evidently Joe is with his, with his tire on the side of the road or whatever, that even he can connect and think that maybe Captain Kirk is one of the four cardinal virtues. Mm -hmm. And that by seeing that, by seeing that in a character, like we do on our ritual, like we see different characters in our ritual that exemplify those virtues, we can, recognize those virtues in ourselves and cultivate them and better exemplify them. I think that's a really awesome point. Lately, I've been thinking a lot about uh, personifying um, different characteristics or tarot cards or virtues to like, do I know a person that emulates this? Maybe that, you know, people are, are people and have their own flaws, but is there someone that I can, I can think when I see the King of Wands, this is the, this kind of person and that helps make it more concrete. It makes it more real and helps me put some context around an, an abstract thought. Because again, a lot of the um, philosophy of Freemasonry is very abstract. And so I think it's a great Three point. of swords is John Roark for me. Three of swords just stabs you right in the heart. So that's, yeah. uh, that's definitely something I would do. Yes. <laughs> uh, that, that's a great point so one of the cool things that I found that, that I added lately is is that what I was really able to connect with the two of them is there's a quote that Plato has in the dialogue laws which is wisdom is the chief and leader next follows temperance and from the union of these two with courage springs justice so in, in looking at the Star Wars characters and then looking at Masonic ritual, not even Masonic ritual, but Masonic structure, I, I thought to myself recently, like, okay, so wisdom is the chief and leader 
all right, we can see that. Like King Solomon, right? Wisdom, leader of master of the lodge. So I'm like, let's follow this out. Let's 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 dissect it and see how the the officers of the lodge fit into this. So, wisdom we know isn't really one of the four cardinal virtues, but you could easily say that prudence is wisdom, right? That they're they're pretty much the same thing. Um, so next would follow temperance, and from the union of these cur with courage springs justice. So I got the temperance, and I'm like, oh, I got to throw the whole thing out because fortitude is obviously strength, right? So if the the senior warden must be fortitude, and then I started to think about the word temperance and the fact that. When you temper steel, you make it hot, you make it cold, and it strengthens the steel. And I'm like, wait, wait, temperance is steel. And then you start to think of temperance as a virtue, and you're like, okay, well, temperance is that inner for it, that that inner strength, as opposed to like the Herculean strength or, you know, that that outward Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of like physical, a right? You know? mm -hmm. it's that it's that inner strength. So I'm like, okay, so the senior warden is is that and then you think of you think of wisdom temperance and courage or fortitude and you can only think of the and that harmony of those three aspects of as the junior warden as the representation of harmony mm -hmm. so i see i see those that quote as really summing that up so what i when i looked at the star wars characters i had chosen prudence as leia I mean, she's literally a princess that becomes a general. So if she's not the leader of the group, I don't know who is, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you have um, Luke, I have as temperance because let's be honest, he's a whiny little brat. <laughs> right? Like when you first meet him, like I Uncle Owen, he's, he's like holding from. I was going to go into town and get some power converters. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So when you see him, he's like holding from from Catcher in the Rye, right? Like, you read that book, and you're like, why did I waste my time reading that book? That guy, that kid is such a pain in the butt. Like, I'm not, <laughs> like I hate him as a character. And I, I kind of feel that with, like, Luke. Like, I don't really like him as a character. So he has to temper himself. And then when you see him later, he's, like, crying in his blue milk, and, you know, <laughs> life was horrible to him, and he doesn't want to, he checks out of society. So he's this old impetuous kid. And then he's this, so he balances between, he, he goes back and forth and tempers himself to be able to be a productive member of society. And then, you know, with, uh, fortitude, I just see Han Solo as the epitome of the tough guy fortitude. And, uh, Rob Jackson stole my joke <laughs> before I could make it. <laughs> I just want the record to show. So what virtue does Jar Jar represent? I don't want to go there. He'd be the fool in tarot. Let's right? just put it that way. And and like justice, I looked at as because I couldn't take a cop out and say it's the force. And I was like, justice is is uh and I, I gotta thank Beth who you guys have met, but um <laughs> I gotta thank her, she helped me with it. But Anakin and, and Darth Vader really is that that, that epitome of justice. Mm-hmm. Ultimate justice at the end. Exactly. So when you follow all that, when you put all that together, like they the parallels are there between the lodge officers and those characters as those virtues. So really that you see that that exemplification and, and allegor allegorical representation of virtue throughout both systems. And the fact that in both systems, and I've I've been dwelling on this lately, where Freemasonry and you know channel my inner acrum, but uh freemasonry is really about liberty at a lot of its at the at the core right mm -hmm. and i mean star wars is literally the republic versus the empire right it's this like mirror image of of ancient rome so if, if that's not about liberty i mean uh brutus kills julius caesar and makes coins with like the liberty cap and pole on it to celebrate his like hey i assassinated this guy let me let me celebrate this with a coin um mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah one uh one other rabbit hole i've been going down lately is uh i picked up a copy of uh the jedi path it's um it's a legends thing it's it's not officially canon but it's a little book written as it were as if it were a uh a set of like what the jedi has what a jedi would have to do as far as like joining and how do you dress and how do you how do you combat and what trials do you go through um 
really, really fascinating book from like trying to understand like what Jedi philosophy is really all about. And, and so, there, I mean, there's a, a, lots of different parallels there as well, just if you want to go down that path. But I, I think it, it's, it's best to start with like what the Jedi code is and then see how that relates as well to kind of the, the morals that we're, we are inculcated in the fraternity. Um, just a couple things. And the, the Jedi code is very short where it basically says there is no, there's five, five core precepts. There is no emotion, but there is peace. There is no ignorance. There is knowledge. There is no passion. There is serenity. There is no chaos. There is harmony. There is no death. There is the force. Right. And so. I think you ripped that off from the Vulcan home world. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. Yes. Yes. It's one and the same. But, you know, we talk about, um, we talk about things about, you know, uh, that Mason should ever grow in their knowledge, right. Of, of Freemasonry, as well as all the other, um, tenets and philosophies thereof. Uh, we talk about circumscribing your passions, right? We say there is no passion. There is serenity in, in the Jedi code. And, uh, we talk about harmony being the strength and support of all institutions, right? There is no chaos. There is harmony in the Jedi code. And then finally, there is no death. There is the force, uh, which again, uh, I know Jason sent a lot of thinking about um, the concept of the um, the dogma of Freemasonry, at least as far as the uh, understanding of the immortality of the soul, and as it relates to kind of what's, what one of the prerequisites is. Um, do you want to elaborate on that, Jason? I'm trying to figure out where you're well, going. Well, I'm that. just saying it's well, okay. So, you know, it's, it says that, you know, that is something that Mason should believe in the immortality of the soul. Yes. Right. Yes. It is, it is one of two overtly dogmatic assertions that the blue lodge makes, right? Which is the um, other one? The other one being that the Supreme architect of the universe is the creator there is a and creator. manifester of, of all mm-hmm. things. Um, Which and, that's not uh, explicitly laid out there for many new new newcomers right no it's it's Mm -hmm. it's heavily suggested in the ritual but it's you know it it, at least in the blue lodge it is you know there are only two places in the ritual where i've i've found something that could be taken as like a dogmatic assertion Mm -hmm. um yeah and and the immortality of the soul really is i mean that is a core like component of the Masonic experience. It's, it is kind of the assertion upon which the Masonic experience rests because, you know, yeah, you're going to die, make yourself or, and your, your fellow brethren, um, as good a man as, as you can before that happens. And, Hopefully you'll be prepared for what's next. Exactly. There is no death. There is the force. So that's the, that's the other There's only transition. There's only transition. I'm sure you, I'm sure you've uh, got a presentation on that too, Jason. That's the whole, Somewhere. so really quick, one of the books that we've talked about before on the show, just I think in passing really is a book called uh, the, uh, the master's lectures, a book yes. produced by uh, Evans Lodge. And in it, one of the chapters uh, it's, it's the whole book is broken out into the months of the year. And uh, one of the chapters is of, of course, talking about the uh, immortality of the soul or just immortality in general. And throughout the book, this theme, nobody knows who actually wrote the book. It's just called the master's lecture. So it is a, um, an amalgamation of many different authors, presumably, you know, all men and Masons, perhaps all worshipful masters of Evans Lodge, you know, written in the 1920s ish era, I think it is. Uh, but it is abundantly apparent of their disdain for the idea or the word death, as they call it a constantly, they call it a misnomer. And whenever they refer to the act of dying, uh, it, that's my words on it. But whenever they refer to it, it is the transitional period. And so this is a major theme, uh, I think, more your liminal stage. This is exactly (laughs) so this objective look 
at the transition from this existence to the one to come, right? Like there's that verbiage in Masonic ritual from this, our exit from this world to the world to come, this transitional phase, uh, which is so important. Uh, Yeah, it is absolutely. uh, I mean, unless you're taking things completely literal, which would be the wrong way to do them. uh, It is about this transitional phase in Freemasonry anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. I'm going to mix it up here too. And, Transition to another parallel here. If you look at the um, grading system or the rank that a Jedi goes through, um, it does parallel the progression that we have in the fraternity where we have, we start from a profane, go from an entered apprentice to a fellow craft and then to a master Mason. Uh, Similarly, uh, the Jedi Knights have their own order with rituals and ceremonies and, and ranking system uh, in which you do have, um, a Padawan, right, who is an apprentice underneath of uh, a, a Jedi, and then they can eventually move up to uh, become a Jedi Knight. But that's, um, you know, that they are not uh, quite a Jedi Master yet. So you have a different hierarchy there. Some people are denied the rank of Master, right? And then you then you turn into Darth Vader, which is a bad thing. So uh, don't, uh, you know, these guys who just want to go for titles see what happens if you just go for titles you're going to turn into darth vader um grandmasters are sith lords just saying <laughs> and so yep there's a so yeah and there is a there's a grandmaster surprisingly of um of the jedi order and so for many years it was uh, yoda and then after yoda it was uh, luke until he went off hiding, they had some. He had some people backfill him in acting positions, and then when he came out of hiding, he uh, he resumed his his station. So, yes, there is a Grand Master of the Jedi Order as well, and it's not a one year term, and it's, you know it's not a, a progressive line. But that's a different conversation. <laughs> Any other observations, Mike, on the um, on the ranking system or the apprentice and master combination? I mean, I think there's that. De- there's definitely that. You know, there's that graduated thing. Like you were talking about the, it, Jason. You were talking about the, the transition period. So I, I think what's interesting is that both systems. Or if I'm looking at Freemasonry and I'm looking at Star Wars, really borrow a lot from Plato. And what's overlooked with Plato a lot of times is that they believed in reincarnation. They, they believed in the transmigration of the soul by graduation, you know, so you were progressing and continually trying to improve and refine your soul through a series of lifetimes. So the, the graduated, the graduated attainment of, or refinement of the self through these steps is I think that's where it comes from. And I think that's why you see the, the sharing of these two things. And I think a lot of times we get so distracted with Freemasonry that we forget that Greco Roman ideas were really, this is what they were talking about back then. Right. And we'll be like, Oh, the number three, what does it allude to? And forget about the tripartite nature of the soul that Plato talked about. Right, like nobody wants to talk about that. They just want to talk about all the other stuff, the Kabbalah, whatever else. Which triangles, not, man, triangles, yeah, for scallions. But there's just so much there, and you and if you go back and and dig, um, I I think that's why that's one part of it is that 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 the attainment and going through these these lines and these these steps of of degrees, I, I think it's central to that idea. Of, of the soul, the journey of the soul. Yeah, I love it. I, I totally agree. Uh, can I say too that uh, you talked about the harmony, uh, and we talked about this a little bit tonight. And after my presentation, one of the brothers brought this up, and they they brought up the Jedi Code. And I, I was kind of thinking about this today with with this idea of the harmony, right? Like I've always, it's never sat well with me. Like Luke's the chosen one. He's going to bring balance to the force. How? By killing the other Sith, by killing the Sith, which there can only be two of them. And so if he can kill all of them, then they'll bring harmony and balance back to the force. 
how does that bring balance back? Right, right. Right. If there's it a good brings the imbalance. It brings imbalance, right? But if you what I thought of this today is that the harmony is within Luke himself, right? He has these like polar opposites of of being impetuous and, and being withdrawn. Mm-hmm. And so when he can harmonize his soul within himself, that's when he brings balance to the force. It's not by killing the other, you know, not by killing a Sith Lord. But what about this idea? Okay, so first of all, uh, the force is the etheric kind of name for the scientific midichlorian, right? Mm-hmm. And so Anakin Skywalker's dad is said to have been just midichlorians. Like nature took over and gave immaculate uh, conception. Yeah, basically. right, right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, similar similar origins to a lot of uh, this idea of of godheads coming down or mm-hmm. bestowing onto the chosen woman or something. Uh, Shmi, uh, but but in this, it, it's really interesting to me that like, okay, is he to bring balance to the force because the force. Uh, creates Anakin Skywalker and then he's a total evil guy. So they got to bring. So Anakin is the, is the descendant to bring the balance back to the force to do as much good, you know, balance out the evil or new balance to the balance. Yeah. I mean, to fix what came before him, right? Yeah. Talking about this idea of reincarnation to fix, to fix a generation before him. Mm -hmm. So, and, and you get the same idea, like Theseus comes, not to kind of go off on a tangent, but Theseus comes from the from the wilderness of Athens to come see his father, who's like, um, the city's in disarray, and Theseus brings order, right? He, he fixes what his father had screwed up. Um, and I think mm-hmm. you see that, you see that theme over and over again in... Oh, yeah in literature and yeah in modern religion you have moses coming from the reeds right you have jesus coming from a stable right you have all of these um outsiders coming in and disrupting the uh, establishment yeah exactly Mm -hmm. and the same thing with luke again we were talking about this tonight with he comes from this barren world right and leia like lush paradise but yeah, so yeah, Tatooine's out in the middle, out on the outer rim. Tatooine is like way out in the sticks. So yeah, so he kind of like Earth. Yeah, like this barren world that's not producing anything, right? Ooh. Except for like moisture. So they got the moisture converters or whatever. But mm-hmm. but it's he he comes from that area of that, and he brings the other side of it is his his sister, right? He's on one 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 aspect of it, and she's on the other, and and he's bringing that harmony between like barrenness and productivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It's fascinating. Yeah. So now that we're talking about the force, another, another parallel that I saw there. Okay. So w- when you dig into what the force is, right. And how Yoda describes it in the movies, right. That it's this, uh, it's this purveying, this energy that pervades and, and transcends all things, right? It's in the rock, it's in the trees, it's in you. And instantly I'm, I'm, my mind gets to a neoplatonic worldview where you have this, this principle, this first principle of reality called the one or the good or the goodness. And that's, it's in all things. And it's the, it's not a deity per se, but it is a, um, it is a, something we should, aligned toward or, you know, hope to be, or, or as a virtue, we should continue to uh, work to get better at or get better uh, in, in alignment with. So um, because Freemasonry being a progressive moral science that um, is not dogmatic at its core, right? We try to um, be, uh, what's the word, secular in our approach, right? We don't try to say that you have to believe ecumenical. This Ecumenical, that's the one. Yes, we're not trying to say I believe in this. Most certainly not secular, right? Yes. But we want to make sure that we we all, you know, no atheist can be a Mason, but that we all agree that there's this one thing, this one uh, energy, uh, this one supreme being, as it were, that uh, that bring that ties us all together in a mystic tie. And yet, in in this uh, the Star Wars universe, we we call that the Force, 
And so it's an interesting parallel that it is something that, you know, whether you believe in it or not, it's there, it binds the universe together. And so that's, that's, um, that's an interesting parallel there that, that we uh, as Freemasons have, um, that, uh, tries to unite men rather than divide them. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, I was kind of looking through some of my, you know, I got a bazillion books on all kinds of things, but a a couple of them are on like these philosophies of monomyths and things and something that the, one of the books drew this parallel between, and I'm not sure that I see it in star Wars, the way they describe it, but there is this description of a unique brotherhood um, of man exemplified within the star Wars universe that I thought, wow, if that's true, that really does tie a lot of things together to Freemasonry in, in that we are this, you know, brotherhood of man under the fatherhood of God and this mm-hmm. idea. But I'm not sure I see this idea of, of unified brotherhood and whatnot in, in Star Wars. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, have you guys kind of picked up on this idea at all? So if I, not, it's okay. No, I, I think it's interesting in that. Um, you know, in in Star Wars, kind of like I'm trying to think of where I was going with this. See, now you got me sat up back on my heels, RJ. Well, I mean, I mean, Obi Wan literally says as he's uh, getting ready to turn Anakin into Darth Vader, right? Uh, slicing him up, he says, "You like you, Anakin? You were my brother." Yeah, he's right there, um, fighting over the lava pits, and and it's he he gives that that title of brother to you know a fellow jedi right at that moment in time right so it's more than just a oh we're just in the the jedi order fraternity right like the elks right we're and just you know go have a beer well, no we they are they are brothers we're brothers until you have the high ground that's right yeah <laughs> and i i think that's it's interesting right that i think one part of where i wanted to go with that was that originally we looked at it as like the force, the dark and the light, the polar opposites. And what they've done recently is to expand that out and say, like, there are force sensitive people that have never heard of a Jedi mm-hmm. that may be very similar. They may be very different, but there's all kinds of expressions for people to interact with this force at different varying degrees of it. The other part that, that, that kind of blows me away with it is it's the idea of this Republic, right? And republics are messy. Mm-hmm. Like there was a reason, like the empire was successful because they could take the trash out on time, and the republic struggled with that, right? Like they, mm-hmm. people were there was cronyism, there was all kinds of infighting because you had all these different groups, even more so than we have here because you have this galaxies and outer rims and all this kind of this this huge empire that's just a bunch of different groups, and they're trying to somehow create a democratic republic out of that. Right. You said something that inspired me, Mike, which was, um, you know, that you have these force sensitive beings, right? Some that are, you could, they, they have some magical abilities, right? In the Star Wars universe, but not all of them uh, get selected to become or want to become uh, a Padawan. And so uh, what, comes to mind there is you know where were you first prepared to be a main made a mason yeah in, in your heart that doesn't mean that you're going to join freemasonry this but is at, like that that manly first, Hall quote right which that, is that many uh, there are many men born of woman who have always been masons and there are many men born of women that uh who will pass through our halls and take our ceremonies and never be Masons. Mm -hmm. There you go. Uh, It it is interesting. And when you talked about this and you kind of let it back, I mean, this was probably 30 minutes ago, Mike, you said something that made me think of perhaps one of the most contentious yet my favorite part of the movies that followed the original trilogy. Um, And this is the scene when the little kid has to sweep the hangar at the end of the movie Mm. And it's, yes. he, doesn't, he doesn't know anything about the force, right? This is when they're saying, look, this is not just the Skywalker story. 
and the kid walks by and just thinks it's no big deal. Like yeah. it's just part of his being like breathing. He just reaches out and the broom comes to his hand and that right there, like kind of in a weird way, it gave me chills. Cause I was like, this was so cool to me. Um, and it emphasizes this, this point that you're making John about where were you first being prepared? Uh, it has nothing to do with being, you know, having known of the group or whatever, it just already are kind of that way. Yeah, right. Absolutely. The power yeah, and there's there's great there's great men that may never become a Mason, but yet, you know, you know, we, we would we would probably call them a brother in advance, right? Because we have people that are, are just that uh in tune with themselves, with nature, with others that uh they they already extol all the virtues of Freemasonry. And and so the same same could be true for the the force sensitive in the Star Wars universe. You know what's interesting about that too is so at the at the end of the movies, she she takes off with the book. Like she has all the books, the only books that are left of like what's left of the Jedi, right? And they never really answer the question of who's the last Jedi, right? And I I used to have this in the talk and I took it out, but I it used to make me contemplate of like the last Freemason. Like, <gasps> Ooh, who's the guy? Like the last guy to shut the lights out. What does he preserve? Like what's what's worth preserving? And you know they doesn't she contemplate like leaving the books there or whatever and just like starting over anew and not being not having all that baggage, so like if if we were to just stop Freemasonry and just and one of us had to continue it on, what would we want to keep? You know, and she's at at that point, and I think they've already announced that the next move one of the next movies is going to be about her and yeah, and, I'm excited and bringing the Jedi Order back. So what is she going to feel that was important enough to keep? Because they made some mistakes, right? Hold Pancake breakfasts. Yeah. Pancake breakfasts. Did you just, like, I mean, I'm not as big of a Star Wars guy as I'm a Star Trek, but did you just say that there's a plan for the, a new movie? Yeah. There Ray's, is. Ray's coming back. I mean, there's yeah. like four or five different things going on, but yeah, right. right. I mean, I like I, I watch the Mandalorian and I watch like those right. things, but but from 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 the Ray's storyline, she, yeah, she's going to come back and, and start her own academy. So she's going to bring Masonry back. Slip. I'm ready for Andor season two. Yes, dude. I heard Andor In like three was years, perhaps one of the greatest Star Wars things ever, and just because it was like. Nothing to do with characters you ever heard of. No Jedi's. It's right. just straight yep. Star Wars. No chaser. And um, I, I, if you liked Rogue One, yeah, that's my favorite. That's my favorite Star Wars. Will just just, binge it. just watch it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's it's from the Everyman's perspective. Of what the Empire's doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So what was it? Uh, it's very dark. Tony Criso said once told me he's like it's like a prison movie. like he didn't really like it he's like it's 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 like a it's like seven episodes of a prison movie <laughs> you know like yeah yeah it is spaceships and stuff like I like Star Wars because of the space and stuff and I'm just seeing the inside of a prison it's like it's like uh what was that Sylvester Stallone prison movie that they had the Prison like, Break or yeah it wasn't that one but yeah, it they, is two they made two of them <laughs> so it's, it's one went straight to YouTube. Uh, yeah, so even even that you know like we're talking about like someone's bringing it back and can I say it's kind of crazy like w- there's a woman bringing back the Jedi's <laughs> right like right right yeah, people would lose their mind if Freemasonry did that like what <laughs> oh could you imagine <laughs> yeah, t- wow, 2041 yeah, right <laughs> the rise of the free uh, female Freemasons yeah when Texas Ray would riot back, she's gonna put everybody through the Jedi ringer by making them watch a hologram. <laughs> that's funny right? all video degrees baby all video yes. degrees yeah. uh, um which we another thing we alluded to we didn't really dive deep into which is uh light and dark right that is a common theme across both freemasonry and and the the jedi order at least right because you have you have the light side you have the dark side or the sith right and you you could they are equally present in the world and then it's just about your ability to be drawn into the temptation or to resist and stay positive and, and, you know, work for good, right. Instead of evil. And, and we, we teach that 
in our degrees of Freemasonry as well. I think something along those lines that, Mike, you might have some unique insights on is the generally the, the torn nature of people when they realize that Luke was not uh, this super savior figure, that he that he had these thoughts, these actions that he that had almost occurred, and that his willingness to work with both and put himself in exile exhibit the idea of his acceptance of not a duality, but of a, a singular thing that he can control both. But perhaps he has like a feeling about whether or not he can do so responsibly. Yeah, say more. Just that, so he he has this this goodness about him, mm -hmm. right? And he's out there and he does all this good in the movies or whatever. But then he's got this moment when he's apparently, you know, teaching the Jedi Academy where he's maybe going to execute Kylo Ren. Like, how could somebody so good do something so terrible? And yet his monumental powers uh, in, in say, episode one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, right? He can just like force project himself right across the galaxy eight. and and take somebody out. Like, uh, I mean, from eight. an objective point of view, is this positive or negative? I mean, he is exerting uh, almost godlike powers and picking a side. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, any, and at the same time, like he has all of that and he's succumbing himself to fear, like the fear that he would go too far. Right. Like he has this idea that he doesn't want that, that, that thought of, and I know you guys will appreciate this, but it, what it makes me think of is like the question that Vermin Supreme asks everybody, like, would you go back in time and kill baby Hitler? Right. Like uh -huh. that's kind of, that's kind of where Luke is at. Like if he knows that Kylo's going to do all these bad things, like did he not have the fortitude to follow through to say like, Hey, if I could stop something like that, something of that nature, or was he afraid because he didn't have the fortitude that other people had to, to train him, you know, to right. train him and for them to train Anakin and know that in the end that they would be redeemed and they would be able to progress. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's interesting that you say like with the godlike, uh, you know, the godlike powers and and being afraid to wield them, right? Like being afraid, and I think the uh, from a masonic point of view, like that idea of free will and being able to trust that we don't have to get bailed out by, you know, by some outside force that we can have the free will and own responsibility in our lives to make our own. Yeah, decisions. yeah, that's a good point because that. That's another parallel that I've been thinking about too is the stoicism and mm. uh, the Jedi code and, um, and Freemasonry where uh, for a couple of reasons, right? We, we, the Jedis don't talk about having attachments, right? That they, that's the whole reason that Anakin got all messed up was he, he loved you know, Padme and you're not supposed to love and all this and that. Um, which tends to have a, sto a stoic flavor over it. it. There's a lot more details than that. Um, but yet, even in Freemasonry, we, we take the um, Aristotelian uh, concepts of temperance, fortitude, prudence, and justice, and we take those stoic concepts and put them into our moral teachings. And so, um, as Masons, right, we're, we're taught to almost be stoics with a couple other things bolted on as well. And so that's another parallel between like the Jedi code of um, extolling these specific virtues uh, without, um, without taking it too far. I guess that's, that's the, the, the short version. Yeah. Keeping, keeping those passions within new bounds again. You know, I, to me, this always comes down. It, uh, at least recently for me, it's, it's all, it always comes back to this idea of liberty and 
you know, one of the things that I was talking, I think I talked to you about it, John, was that I'm looking at the fact that, like Franklin says, that only a virtuous people are capable of liberty. And we look at the concept of liberty, like it really first shows up on a scene. It's a Roman concept, right? Right, right. One of the places it shows up is is at a point in the Roman Republic when Brutus and his co-conspirators killed Caesar. And Brutus makes that coin. I think I mentioned that a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. But it, an, we know that like through the works of Plutarch, we know that modern society is is largely based on these stories of the Roman Republic, right? Like they, and, and one of those things is, is the concept of Cato. And, you know, like we know that, we know that George Washington like modeled his entire presidency on, on Cato. And he took his own life rather than look tyranny or Julius Caesar in the eye as a representation of tyranny, right? Like, Wow. He, lived, he lived those virtues, and he read the Phaedo, which is like the death of which is the death of Socrates, before taking his own life. How did he take his own life? Do any of you remember? He cut himself. He cut himself with a dagger in the chest, and when they tried to stitch him up, he ripped his own bowels out of his body. Oh wow! Kind of sounds a little mm-hmm. bit familiar, right? Mm-hmm. That's so. When you couple that with the idea of liberty and the idea of fighting against tyranny. And you and you look at the fact that he was a Stoic and a Platonist. I think that really puts everything in perspective. And I know it kind of wow. seems like I'm taking a lot of different parts and throwing them together. Oh, but but I really think that you know when you when you look at that Republic, whether it's Plato's Republic being an as, being an allegory of the soul, being a metaphor for the soul, and Franklin saying that. You have a republic if you can keep it. Like this idea that the Romans weren't able to keep it. Like this this whole idea of Cato and and um, Brutus and Caesar and Mark Anthony. Um, and who knows if we'll be able to keep it. But then when you look back on your soul, like you have a soul if you can keep it, right? Like right. to some extent, like like this is this is what the whole purpose of virtue is. Yeah. What have you created? A Jedi order if you can keep it. Yeah, <laughs> or that republic, right? They're fighting against the tyranny. Right. That's what well is like, like they're that. fighting against the emperor. Like so, this this republic fighting against an emperor. If that doesn't tell the story of Julius Caesar, I don't know what does. Wow, I mean, Lucas ripped that off completely, and even took the names and made it really obvious that he was doing so. So it's like, who is 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 Luke Brutus? Oh man. Oh, that you just you've hurt my head now. I love it. it. Was, actually, Vader was probably Brutus, right? Like the Emperor's probably like you too, Brutus. <laughs> no. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, we are now in the uh, the wrap up time. So um, let's head over to uh, Tosca Tendora. I mean, Robert Johnson for his uh, his final thoughts on the Force and Freemasonry. So take it away, Robert. So I think early on we did an episode of the WCY podcast. It was about Star Wars and Freemasonry. We had uh, uh, Brother Jarzebek on, as, uh, sorry, Right Worshipful uh, Jarzebek on, as well as a good friend of the show, um, a uh, pretty popular author, Bull Garlington. And we talked about things like Star Wars and Freemasonry, the monomyth, the, the man with a thousand faces. And it is abundantly apparent that uh, both of these things – have uh, this commonality in that all of it is archetypes for the same types of things. Uh, there have been multiple times tonight where I just wanted to like scream out, this is just like tarot, right? Yeah. In, in that uh, these different, uh, yes, this is on the surface. This is this amazing, really cool science fiction story, uh, which is kind of like Isaac Asimov's Foundation Light. Um, where, but it, it has, because of its lightness has been able to, uh, you know, just sink into a modern culture to a point where, I mean, Jedi is a recognized religion and this, I, this whole thing is just, uh, an amalgamation for me of, of like, uh, 
of course, the Masonic virtues are out there and they are uh, from time immemorial. They do not belong to Freemasonry. We've just kind of grouped them together. And in that same respect, we have a story that conveys these virtues. And it's really not unlike the ideas of, you know, uh, West, <clears throat> excuse me, Western Stoicism or, uh, you know, the, the kids sitting at home with, with mom or dad, who is the Star Wars nerd, you know, watching this for the first time, and then later in life starting to pick up these little nuanced things that maybe as a kid, right, they looked at it and like, oh, yeah, Luke's the savior. He's the awesome guy with all the powers, right? And as they get older, they start doing the right thing, not because, uh, because of any kind of... Uh, somebody told them to do it, but because they're like emulating their characters, they're, they're emulating their archetypes that they familiarized themselves with, that they identify with. And, and so for so many, right, these are like, um, you know, growing up, maybe you were uh, all about the scientists, right? Maybe, I mean, I'm sure there's kids that are growing up today. Like, man, I'm going to be the next Neil deGrasse Tyson. And, and, or, 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 or Warner Von Braun sans the, you know, German stuff, but altogether, these are inspirational stories that have taken all of these things that we find good in societies about philosophies being good, dark, and trying to understand it all and putting it together for us to um, really understand. And I think, you know, Freemasonry is the premier organization that does it the best. And I guess if you're never going to become a Freemason, then I guess become a Star Wars nerd. That's the next best thing. Awesome. All right. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, Robert, let's head over to Jason for your thoughts. What was the final question again? Uh, Star Wars and Freemasonry. Go. Um, <clears throat> when you look at Star Wars, you know there is there is very much that duality um, piece that we mentioned earlier. I think that's one of the things that that um, stands out the most. Um, and with with duality there is there is balance um and so you have to have the the light and the dark um because the presence of one helps you perceive the other um and so you know i think star wars being a a play on the hero's journey um holds many parallels with with freemasonry and so, um, yeah, fascinating topic. Um, just a, a lot of correlations just running through the, the Masonic experience, but then also the, the Star Wars universe. So love the topic. I uh, had a blast. And, you know, Mike, we really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing all this with us. Thank you. Awesome. My pleasure. All right, over to you, Mike. For any uh, anything we missed, any any so highlights, I, any lowlights. I think to just to to recap, it's this it's this idea of that we have the free will and the ability to change the world around us and to make the world a better place. And whether we're that little kid that RJ was talking about with the broom whether we're some whiny little kid that wants to go get power converters on Tatooine or whether we're a young Mason, you know, like me, like just a young kid mad at the world that like to listen to rage against the machine and be mad at everything. Um, that if we apply ourselves to the attainment of virtue, if we apply ourselves to the concept of Liberty, then we can all work together and we can win the rebellion of our own souls and and the souls of everybody else that's in this fight to make the world a more free and you know orderly place the way that freemasonry and star wars really set up that vision um years ago and i, I think our, with that our hope will end in fruition i love it that's fantastic Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on. Uh, we appreciate your time and, and, and sharing your, your knowledge and wisdom with us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. All right. So, you know, I'll, 
I'll just end on this to say that uh, this is a great topic. Uh, you know, can nerd out for hours on this, uh, but you know, when you when you compare the two, right? Uh, I, I like focusing on like the philosophy of the fraternity, the philosophy of of the Jedi's path, for example. And the more that you you pull from different sources, you start to see similarities, and you start to see hope, and you start to see uh, alignment towards a greater good. And, uh, you know, again, George Lucas has admitted also that he came up with this, this Jedi order, uh, as a blend of, you know, ancient mystery schools and a lot of the, um, like the, the Japanese, uh, martial arts as well. So it's, it's this, this syncretic blend of all the best that we as humans have come up with so far. And whether you, you take it as, as a fun story or you take it as an allegory for uh, greater inspiration. Uh, either way, um, all, all noble things are worth emulating. And so for that, you know, I, I really appreciate uh, everyone listening week after week. And uh, thanks for watching. And keep searching for the light side. Have a good night. Wow. A little darkness is okay, too.